Thank you for that tonight. Again, good to have the visitors with us tonight. I, it's good to see Brother and Sister Roscoe again. It's been a long time. And again, Adrian's been with us here on staff and doing a good job. And of course, Mary and Ben, and then both of them are going to come on staff, or actually, Ben will come on staff also. Ben did part-time last school year, and then he'll start uh, full-time uh, here after he gets back from his honeymoon. Two, you're going on a two-week honeymoon, aren't you? It's like two weeks. I think uh, they might not come back. I'm not sure. And, uh, but uh, anyway, excited for them. And again, I know just from the crowd tonight, as far as people who have been here coming for the wedding, were a lot of people excited about uh, seeing them. You know, I feel kind of bad because all their marriage, they're going to have lows and highs. And uh, just got to get used to it, I guess. Amen. Okay, that was corny. But anyway, all right. Luke chapter 12 tonight. Grab your Bible. Luke chapter number 12 tonight. Some of you still didn't even catch it, so don't even say anything, all right? I'll tell you what. Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter number 12, I want to look at another parable with you tonight. The parable of the rich fool is Luke chapter 12, verse 16 through verse number 21. And we're going to look at verse number 1, kind of get some background of the story, and then again make some application tonight uh, from this particular uh, passage. Heavenly Father, would you bless your word? Lord, again, give us clarity of thought. Open up our eyes of understanding. Help us, Father, to see things that we couldn't see if it wasn't for you. Uh, Father, again, may we make application tonight. Some things we've heard before, maybe some things, Father, that seem to be very elementary. Lord, would you again allow the Holy Spirit to impress upon our hearts tonight the things that we need as individuals. Lord, thank you again for Ben and Adrian as they come to that point in life on Friday, getting married. Thank you, Lord, for these that have come long distances just to again really be a part of that special day. Lord, help us now tonight. You have a purpose for being here. It's not by accident. Each person that's in this service tonight, Lord, would you again please work in a special way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church, I mean, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus is about to give this parable. Before he do, he's going to set some premises, and the premise is going to be set because of an incident that took place. I want you to try to at least follow with me. I don't know if you mark in your Bible to write some things down, but I want you to pick it up in verse number one. The Bible says, in the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people. Now, Church, I mean, when you read stuff like that, it draws to my mind the times that Jesus spoke and he gave numbers out. You think about the feeding of the 5,000 plus women and children. God does not tell us numbers by accident. So in this situation, he says there were so many people, they couldn't even be numbered. And all this group of people has come so they could be around and, of course, hear what Jesus had to say. It goes on to say, insomuch that they trode one upon another and began to say unto his disciples, first of all. So you have an innumerable group of people. You have his disciples, and then Jesus is about to speak. And Jesus says some things, and again, tonight, I don't want to get sidetracked from the parable tonight, but in verses number one down through verse number 12, Jesus is going to say some really important things. Now, I stress that because Jesus is going to be asked a question after he gives these important statements that he makes in verses one through 12. And to me, I think to myself, Jesus is just going to tell you some pretty important things, and then you just asked a dumb question. Have you ever heard somebody ask a dumb question before? Have you ever been in a classroom before where the person asked the dumb question and they didn't know they were asking a dumb question and everybody else is rolling their eyes? You've been in a place like that? I've been in business meetings like that before, by the way. So here you have this Jesus speaking to this innumerable amount of people. And he goes through several things. And I'll just pinpoint some things and I, without really taking time to teach or, or on these things. But in verse number one, he says, beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees. In other words, the teaching of the Pharisees. He's talking to the disciples, talking to all this group of people. And he said, listen, you be careful what you hear from the Pharisees because that's not what's important. What I'm telling you is important. He goes on to say in verse number five, but I will forewarn you. 
whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed, uh, hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. And so he goes on to say, hey, listen, be careful what the Pharisees say, but I want to tell you, I want to tell you what you should fear, what you should be careful of, is where are you going to spend eternity? Hey, aren't you glad you're saved tonight? I have no doubt, last breath, I'm in heaven. And I'm with him forever. And we have those promises from the word of God. So Jesus is going through all these things. You get down to verse, oh, pick it up in verse number 10. He says, and whosoever shall speak a, uh, a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him. Now, children, we understand that blasphemy against the Holy Ghost is when the Holy Spirit draws you or convicts you of your need of salvation and you reject that drawing. God, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. You, you were drawn. You weren't looking for Christ. Christ was looking for you. The Holy Spirit of God drew you and then you answered the call, obviously very clearly. So blasphemy against the Holy Ghost is when a person rejects that prompting for salvation, all right? And again, there's no forgiveness for that. You will have to spend eternity in hell. In verse number 11, and when they bring you into the synagogues and unto magistrates and powers, he's saying to the, Jew, to the disciples, he says, you take a stand for me, you're going to have problems. You're going to have troubles and struggles in your life. Now think about all these things Jesus is talking about. Now let's look at the dumb question. In verse number uh, 13, the Bible says, in one of the company, obviously from the innumerable multitude of people, and one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this or not, but if you're teaching a class and you are focused about what you're teaching and you are um, sincere, but if I can say intense, about some of the things that you're going over. And can you imagine Jesus here? He says, now listen, <clears throat> I want to tell you what you ought to be fearing. You ought to be fearing on where you're going to spend eternity as far as who's going to cast you into hell, whether or not you're saved or not. Hey, I want to tell you what you should be worried about is this blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Can you just hear Jesus speaking to this multitude and all of a sudden this guy speaks out of the crowd. Hey, Jesus, would you please tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me? Now, I'm going to tell you this dumb question, but look what Jesus says to him. In verse number 14, and he said unto him, man, who made me a judge and a divider over you? But then in verse number 15, he doesn't refer to the person that asked the question. In verse 15, he says, and he said unto them. Now remember in verse 14, and he said unto him. In verse number 15, and he said unto them, take heed, beware, and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And that's a pretty powerful statement. That Jesus makes this principle premise. He talks to this group of large people and says, listen, this question that was just asked me, I'm going to use this question to teach you something. You shouldn't live your life for things because your life is not about what you possess. All right, so Jesus is talking to this innumerable group of people. And now he's going to give this parable of the rich fool. And I honestly think that the rich fool is really, I think Jesus is trying to tell, really pinpoint this guy in this crowd. I want to show you how dumb this question was. Because you are so interested in what you are going to get instead of really interested in about what you can give and specifically give to God is what he's talking about here. All right, so if you're with me tonight, say amen. amen. All right, now tonight, let's look at this parable of what Jesus is about to say next. The parable goes from verse 16 through 21, and here's what he said. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow my, all my fruits and my goods. 
And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. For, but God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So he that layeth up, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. I want to just make reference to it tonight. I don't, I'm not going to preach on it tonight. But I want you to notice that after he gives the parable, the very next verse, verse number 22, and he said unto his disciples, Jesus is going to speak to his disciples in verse number 22, 34. By the way, it doesn't say he was speaking to the innumerable. It doesn't say he was speaking to the multitude. He said, Jesus spoke to the disciples. And after he gives this parable, he says, now listen, I want to tell you some things. And he's going to talk about, again, the importance of, uh, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Don't worry about this food and clothing thing. But anyway, verse number 16 to 21 is what I want to look at tonight. And I want to talk about this rich fool that, that Jesus uses this earthly story and gives us spiritual principles to look at in our life. Now, listen, I want to tell you something. I, I love the Heritage Baptist Church because the Heritage Baptist Church is really just blue collar. Uh, you're not the, the white collar. When we talk about money, you seem very, very relaxed. I hope that you're a tither. Amen. I hope that you give to missions. That's what you should be doing. And by the way, if you're giving your tithe and your missions, then you don't have to worry about, because by the way, that's what you should be doing. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What things? Food, clothing. I think God, that, as the Bible says, your father knoweth that ye have need of. And of course, Heavenly Father takes care of us in these areas. Now, I want to talk about the rich fool tonight. And I want you to notice what Jesus said about this particular rich fool, because again, what was the problem? I feel like that in verse number 15 is the premise, and I feel like in verse number 21, which is the end, Jesus reiterates why he tells this particular parable. In verse number 15, he says, take heed, in other words, pay attention, and beware, in other words, be careful, beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Now, church, family, the Bible is very clear on that, the 10th commandment is thou shalt not what? Thou shalt not covet. The word covetousness means to have or show a great desire to possess something belonging to someone else. All right? The idea of desiring what somebody else has that we're not supposed to have. All right? And Jesus is making reference to this idea of covetousness because of the money that he said, I want this inheritance. Would you please, uh, again, split it with me? Now, when you walk through verse number 16, you find the parable here. I want you to notice some things about this particular fella as far as the rich fool. I want you to notice how many personal pronouns were used about the rich fool. All right, look at your Bible again. If you notice in verse number, uh, seven, verse number 17, it says, And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater there that I may bestow. You understand, 11 times he makes reference to himself. I want to tell you something, if, if we're not careful, we could be like the rich fool. And I want to tell you where it starts off. It starts with this idea of pride. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's about God and what God wants to do through us. It's not about our lives. It's about his life. It's not about our job. It's about the job that God gives us to do for him. And I want to tell you, the, this rich fool got this mentality because of his own pride in his own life. The self-centeredness that he had in his life caused him to desire money more than to desire God. It's interesting that when Jesus gave this particular parable, he said the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. Can I just tell you, and again, Jesus is the one telling the story, but again, it gives the premise of the rich man thinking too highly of himself, is that the ground was not the rich man's ground. The ground was God's ground. The rich man did not allow the ground to become, to produce plentifully. 
God's the one that allowed the ground to, come, to produce plentifully. Do you, do you understand that what you have in your life is not based upon because you're a good uh, economist or because you are a good thinker or because you're educated. You have what you have because there's a good God that, that gave you a good ground, whether that ground is a job or good health. And it's, and it's God that allowed things to be plentiful or not. Our lives are about God. And I want to tell you, pride will cause a person to become, quote unquote, a rich fool. We use the word fool in Psalm 14, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But in the context of what's going on here, a rich fool can be somebody who's lost or saved. The word fool in scripture means silliness. Like, you know, we, we use the word, that, well, that was funny or that was silly. Can I tell you, this kind of thinking is really silly. Say amen if you're awake tonight. Amen. You guys are quiet tonight. You guys are worrying me tonight. All right? Don't worry. It's going to be a short service. Somebody say amen. amen. It's five to eight. Are you guys okay? Breathe in, breathe out. All right. I had a big meal tonight. I don't want to preach very long. Tonight was our last meal with Seth before he goes to college. It was a tearful night for me. So we had Chinese food. I told my wife, I said, dear, why would you feed me so much food and I got to preach tonight? She said, you didn't have to eat it. I said, but, but you put the, we had uh, Chinese chicken tonight. It was on a, on a plate, right out of the oven. I said, but you put the platter right in front of my plate on the table. I said, it's your fault. I was forking so much chicken. I don't know if it was coming off the platter of my plate, but I was eating it. I thought to myself, this is not going to be a long service tonight. Do you understand that this rich fool was, was, was foolish about this area of money because it was pride money? It was about what he did. You don't find that many personal pronouns. And again, Jesus is the one telling the story to indicate that this person thought too well of himself. I don't care what kind of job you have. The job you have is because of God. It doesn't matter if you work fast food or if you're an executive for a company. Everything we have is because of the Lord. And I want to tell you, your thinking is warped when it comes to money. If you have this idea, you have what you have because of your own education or because of your own strength or because of what you are. You have what you have because you've got a gracious God in your life. So we see the pride. The pride of this rich fool. We see something else in verse number 19. I find that not only do we see his pride, but I want you to look at what he says. In verse number 19, he says this. He says, and I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for what? Many years. You know what the problem with the rich fool was? He was presuming on tomorrow. Hey, I've got so much, this is going to last me for years. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Proverbs 27.1, boast not thyself of what? For thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Turn over to James 4. I want you to see this with your eyes if you don't mind. James 4, look down in verse number 13, or verse number 13 with me. James 4, verse 13. This is the passage that we find, what is your life? It's even a vapor. But look what he says before that. In James 4, verse number 13, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be what? For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Now, then he tells you what you should be thinking. Verse 15, for that ye ought to say, say those next four words out loud. Let's say it again. We shall live and do this or that. I want to tell you, we have gotten away from that, Lord willing. 
we, we have gotten away from the fact, if the Lord will. You know, I'm going to take a trip, if the Lord will, or Lord willing. Isn't it interesting in the context of verse 13 through 17, you get down to the end of chapter number four and it says, therefore, to him that what? Knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is. In the context of it all, church family, it is sin for us to think that we have tomorrow without putting God in the, in the equation. That's sinful. I don't have tomorrow. Uh, thinking about Ben and Adrian getting married, I remember there's a couple, and it's, and it's been more than one time. I remember one girl in particular, and uh, she was looking forward to getting married, and I asked her, she was a member of the church here years ago, and I asked her, I said, listen, you know, the Lord might come back. She said, no, I want to get married first. I said, well, don't worry, after you get married, you're going to wish the Lord had come back. <laughs> Can I tell you what was wrong with this rich fool is pride, but the second thing that was wrong with this rich fool is he was presuming on tomorrow. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We have to understand that we're not supposed to presume, presume on tomorrow. Hey, church, I, mean, I want to tell you, uh, sometimes a Christian lives a very worried, anxious life because they're so consumed of what's going, to, in their mind, what's going to happen instead of taking one day at a time. Take one day at a time. I want to tell you something. You'll have a whole lot better Christian life if you stop worrying about tomorrow. So we see that the rich fool, God says, first of all, he, he was proud. Second of all, it says that he presumed upon tomorrow. Look at the next thing, verse number 19, same verse, verse 19 in chapter 12. He says this, and I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much good laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be married. Well, not really. Marry is what it says there. Do you understand that this fellow was passive when it came to this idea of getting after it. We just got done having a Sunday school lesson on the diligent and the slothful man, the contrast of the two. And this fellow got, what he got to the place in his life where he thought, hey, listen, I can't wait. I'm at a place in my life now. I don't have to do anything. I can just eat, drink, and be merry. That's not how God created man. Go back to Genesis number two, and he says, I'm going to put Adam in the garden. And before the fall of man, God said, Adam, I want you to dress and to keep it. Talking about the Garden of Eden. In other words, God gave Adam responsibility inside of a utopia. We're raising a generation now. They sleep and they, they get up at whatever hour they want to. Unless they have to go to school, obviously. There's no, there's no schedule of getting up. There's no schedule of going to bed. We're raising a generation right now that, you know, if, if they have to do something, it, it's, it's, so, it's so hard on them. I want to tell you something. The problem is we're not training them to work in this mentality of, hey, listen, how come we can't party every day? Okay, Because that's not true to life. That's not what God wants for your life. Amen. So this rich fool was very passive in his mentality. And to be honest with you, he was being very lazy in his mentality. Hey, I've got much. I, I might as well eat, drink, and be merry. I don't really want to have to do anything. God made us to do something. You ought to get up tomorrow morning and have your devotions. You ought to get up tomorrow morning and say, hey, listen, I'm going to go work if I'm a provider for my family. I'm going to go out and work and I'm going to provide for my family. I'm going to go do something. There's nothing wrong with taking a break. And God allows us to take breaks. But listen, don't live breaks. He says here that rich fool was passive. Not only was he was passive, but very possessive in the idea of selfishness. But look at verse number 18 again. 
In verse 18 and 19, it's interesting what he says. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul. You know, he acted like everything was his. The rich fool was never concerned about God or others. The only person he thought about was himself. He thought about building bigger barns. For what? Not for others, the poor, not the poor, not the needy. It was the idea of, it was for me. He said, this will I do. Hey, can I tell you something? We, we got to be careful that we're not selfish. And I'm, talking about, I'm not just talking about the money and the paycheck and the money that you have in the bank. I'm talking about with your, with your life. We got to make sure that we don't become selfish with what God wants for our life. Our lives are not our own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. I know we don't like to go knock on a door. Hello, my name's Scott. This is John. We're from the Heritage Baptist Church. And do you know for sure if you died today, you go to heaven? We don't like to do those things. I'm going to tell you why. We're selfish. I'm not going to go visit a bus route because it's a Saturday. Saturday's my day. Since when? I thought every day was the Lord's day. This, this the parable of the rich fool, God's trying to teach this innumerable crowd, specifically his disciples, I think, but he's talking to those who are saved and lost. And he's saying, now listen, I want to tell you, it's not your barns, and it's not your field, and it's not your soul, and it's not your fruit. It's God's fruit. It's God's life. And one last thing I think is interesting, too, when you look at this is, again, think about it. Yeah, he was pride. He presumed upon, uh, presumed upon tomorrow. He was possessive, all these things. But, you know, this rich fool was not really rich. He was poor. You know why he was poor? Because he was dealing with something that was money. He was not dealing with anything that was eternal. He was only dealing with that which was temporal. In verse number 21, it's interesting. He says this. Jesus is closing out the parable, and he gives this principle. So is he, talking about just like the rich fool, so is he that layeth treasure up for himself and is not rich toward God. You ever thought about the Laodicean words or the Laodicean age that we're living in? in Revelation chapter number three, what does he say? The Laodicean age says this, I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. But what does the rest of the verse say? And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor. Why? The idea of as long as I have money. Church, I mean, money is temporal. It's not eternal. Hey, can I tell you, I think that the thing that Jesus is trying to teach us when he gets to the end of it, and of course he, he gives us what, a very familiar verse, but he gives us this, this principle at the end of the parable. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, it is not rich toward God. Hey, church, I mean, money or wealth is not wrong as long as money and wealth is not about us. It's the love of money is the, is the root of all evil. It's the idea of, I'm not living for money for me. You have to have money if your family is going to eat. It's going to have a place to stay. That's not what Jesus is teaching here as far as taking care of those that God's made us responsible for. He's not talking about that. He's talking about somebody who's living life that is very self-centered as far as for themselves. He said, listen, that person's poor. They're not rich. They might drive a nice car. They might live in a nice house. They might wear, wear nice clothing. But they're, they're not rich. They're poor. Because you know why? They're not rich toward God. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, for where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, what? There will your heart be also. So Jesus gets down to the end of this and he says, principle number one, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. And number two, make sure that you're rich 
toward God. How does a person become rich toward God? You only become rich toward God if you are rich in spiritual things, not temporal things. In the eyes of God, it's not what you have, it's what you are. Hey, it is so easy in our society to get people so focused on money because to a small degree, we need money to live. But if we're not careful, we make that the focus. Isn't it interesting in the rest of this chapter, and I told you I wouldn't preach it, I'm not going to tonight. But isn't it interesting that in the, from where he says to the disciples, hey, now, okay, disciples, I want to tell you something. The first thing he says, he says, I want you to consider the ravens. The second thing he says, I want you to consider the lilies. Why did Jesus say to the disciples, consider the ravens? And I want to tell you why. When he was talking about the ravens, he was talking about food because he says, I feed the ravens. The ravens don't go find their food. I give them their food. In the area of the lilies, he says, Solomon was not even arrayed, clothed, was not even arrayed like one of these. He says, I'm the one that clothes the flowers. I'm the one that caused the grass to grow. He says, hey, listen, if I can feed ravens and I can clothe, clothe flowers, I guess I can take care of you. You know, in, in, the, in the Christian life, yes, we should plan and yes, we should prepare, but we've got to be careful that that's not our focus in life. You know what our focus in life should be? Not my will, but thine be done. You know what our focus ought to be? Well, God, it's all yours. What do you want me to do with it? You know, sometimes if we're not careful, we start to look at what other people have. Oh, well, they got this, they got that, we got this, we got that. It's not a matter of what somebody else has. It's a matter of you taking care of what God's given you and making sure that you're rich toward God. Are you rich toward the Lord tonight? I'm talking about spiritually speaking. You know, the Bible talks about being rich in love. The Bible talks about God being rich in mercy. You know, I want to tell you something. The spiritual graces of the Christian life really makes us rich. Think about it, church family. There are people who are lost that have got tons of money and they're not happy. They would give whatever they could to find the real, what real joy is. They would give whatever they could to find what it meant to have real love in their life. I want to tell you something. We as Christians, we ought to make sure that we're rich on the spiritual side of things and that we're rich toward God. And I want to tell you something. Those are spiritually speaking. I want to be rich toward the Lord. I don't have to be rich toward the things of this earth. I want to be rich toward him. The rich fool, and again, Jesus gave this parable because of this guy's question. The guy's question was, hey, Jesus, would you please divide the inheritance for me? Jesus said, I'm going to tell you something, you better be aware of covetousness because really what the reason you want me to divide the inheritance is because you're looking to see what you can get. Hey, church, I'm going to tell you something, we've got to be careful that we're not so consumed with what we're getting, but what we're giving. Law of opposites. In order for somebody to go up, they have to go. In order for a person to get, they have to. Let me tell you something, make sure you're rich toward the Lord. God will take care of you. He promised he would because he knows what you have need of. But we make sure that we have the proper attitude in this area of money and specifically things. Would you bow your head and close your eyes tonight? Would you ponder some of these thoughts tonight about the rich fool?